You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 475. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by uh, the recovering David Cohen. Not recovering uh, from, you know, like AA or anything like that. Well, I don't know. I mean, let's, let's not rule that out. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that's probably over the years, there's probably a lot of things I'm still recovering from. But uh, but yeah, I was ill towards the end of last week. And uh, today's the first day where I really feel much more like myself than before. Yeah, that always sucks. It's, uh, you know, this is the time of the year that it seems like the beginning of the people are getting sick for one reason or another, and then it comes back in the fall. Yeah. Um, you know, nowadays you get sick, You the first thing you think of is, do I have COVID? Exactly. And that's the first thing I did when uh, when I when I got ill. I, came, I really came down with it Wednesday evening, right? I suddenly, in fact, it was during the day Wednesday, to be fair. Um, by about midday Wednesday, I just felt really, like, drained. And I just feel re- really out of sorts. And by the evening, I just felt really, or felt achy, um, just really, really unwell. I felt like all my abdomen was inflamed, wasn't, didn't have, wasn't hungry, um, and all of that. And then, um, but I was, I was still drinking, um, and, and in fluids, not, not alcohol. Um, and that will start coming up Wednesday night. And so I just felt really, really bad. Uh, and it, and it's taken, yeah, a few days for me to start to, to feel normal again. But the first thing I did obviously was check for COVID. Take your COVID test. COVID. Yeah. 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 Uh, because if it um, is, I mean, now you're going on lockdown, you got to try to stay away from the family as much as you can. Exactly. Yeah. Not fun. Um, but it wasn't that. I mean, I, I did go into the office at the beginning of last week, um, and so it's possible I picked something up from there. I could have picked it up from anywhere else. I mean, who who the heck knows? Um, but but yeah, there you there you go. It's um, it, it, the COVID just gives that extra dimension now to having a sick day or feeling off for a couple of days, which is um, interesting. You know, it's funny how um, I was thinking about this just the other day because I had this really vivid memory talking about nostalgia on my end here not being sick but i had uh when i was when star wars was huge when we were little you know and there was this burger king not too far from my house and they used to have these promotions with every star wars movie they would have these glasses actual glasses Mm -hmm. yeah i remember those yeah a a friend of mine gave me two of them because he collects them and he had some extra so he gave me two but I have a vivid memory of going up to that Burger King and buying anything just so because you couldn't just buy the glasses. You had to buy okay. something. You had to buy a meal or something like that. You'd get the glass put well, in, wouldn't you? Well, you, you still had to pay. You had to get a drink, and then it cost extra yeah. for the glass. But yeah. Exactly, yeah. These things are expensive. I was actually looking, thinking, I would like to get all of them. Wow. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. They're they're quite expensive. It's kind of surprising. And they're the cheapest glass you could possibly get. I mean, you look it's, at it hard yeah. and it cracks. It's the rarity because because they were cheap glasses and because yeah, kids, most of them were, broke. kids were getting them, most of them got thrown out or um, or broke. Mm-hmm. And so now they're rare and that makes them expensive. Yeah. I don't know how rare they are because there's a crap ton on you know, eBay and those places. Well, Etsy if and... the, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know what the market is like. If there's, if there's, if there's more demand than there is availability even if they're not rare you can go out and buy one yeah then the price is going to right go yep. up um and because ultimately there's always people who have money who want to pay um who who will say well i'll pay more for that so i can have it now 
I've got the uh, two from Return of the Jedi, the Han Solo one and the Jabba the Hutt one. And they're so terrible these, paintings. They're awful looking. But yeah, it so I matter. can say th- these are just silk screened images yes. on the side of a cheap tumbler glass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But mm-hmm. man, I tell you what, when we were young, it was kind of cool. Every, well, everybody wanted them. And we every week they would come out with a new one. Yeah, we have a set of glasses that um, we use in the house that uh, all of us use every day that Alexander bought uh, probably about three, four years ago, which are Avengers glasses. Yeah. Um, and they these are. Uh, I, he didn't pay an awful lot of money of them because they were on sale, but uh, these are kind of not cheap glasses. They're very tall, very thick and heavy, uh, and they, all of the details on them, they have, you know, different colors for different Avengers, and there's a Thanos one which is purple and all of this sort of stuff. Uh, and and they kind of, even though they're mold injection glasses, I mean, but it's done in real heavy glass, and, and all the details are in kind of relief in the glass. Yeah. So they are actually quite nice. Um, they're quite there's something about having a heavy glass that makes a drink more enjoyable I don't know what it is uh, it, you know. for me as long as it's not I don't like a thick glass yeah well, I, these I are like thick. a thin one you know what I mean yeah. like the rim I like yeah. same with my coffee cups it's a really thick cup I don't I don't like it as much yeah well, I don't these know are, why yeah these are very thick um, they feel like you could murder somebody with them by beating them around the head with it but um, but we have those and we, we still use them every day I don't know whether one day in the future, somebody's going, oh, those Avengers glasses, if I just get the whole collection, I'd easily spend $100 on the final one. I don't know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> That's the thing. If we knew what was going to be valuable, you know, that would probably take some of the fun out. But I don't really collect anything anymore. You know, no? for a long time I was into the video game stuff, but that's been... Yeah. I haven't really done anything in the video game space in a long, long time. Every now and then I'll buy, uh, as we talked about on uh, the Geek's Pub... Um, some old handheld video game yeah but that's kind of it i mean nothing has been very exciting to me and i still fire up the xbox or the ps5 or what have you in the arcades and i'll play a couple but then i lose interest really really quick so here's the uh here's here's a confluence of of the modern and the new and the uh and the antique my mother has um She's always quite enjoyed eBay, but she's really gotten into eBay recently. Ever since I introduced her to um, these sniping services mm-hmm. where you can, you know, you can put a bid in within the last few seconds uh, without having to monitor auctions and this sort of thing. She's kind of going gangbusters and she is starting to collect silver. Um, she's buying silver, you know, all of these. Uh, silver was a really big thing in the in 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 the uk in the in the kind of the 1800s right all the way through the 1800s um until really um the the industrial revolution towards the end of the 1800s really brought brought uh, about you know um steel stuff and all of a sudden the the idea of having shiny um shiny uh, stuff for dinner and, and what have you became less of a status symbol so during that time, there was an awful lot of genuine solid silver objects made that were that were used for for eating, and they were they were status symbols. And nowadays, you can pick this stuff up for for pennies. It's basically it, it, she bought a, uh, a like a cutlery set the other day, uh, and I think she paid about seven or eight pounds for it, and it's all solid silver. Um, and I, I said, I said, I looked at this stuff. I said, so you couldn't you couldn't buy a, a, a cheap IKEA set of cutlery for this. And it's solid silver because there's not a lot of demand for it, you know. Um, and she she's just enjoy she enjoys the process of buying it and getting it. You don't um, think she cares about the value long term? 
Not really, no, I don't think so. I think I think she enjoys the process of the purchasing uh, and, and, then, and then finding a good deal. Um, she's not done a lot of reselling, but I think that the reason for that is because she's less confident on reselling stuff on eBay than she is on buying it. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I, you know, I'm saying to her, I said, look, at some point you are going to have to resell this stuff because you can't continue to buy it and just have it piling up here. Well, and I mean, she can be... start smelting it. I mean, <laughs> exactly. that's the next she, thing. Um, she, I mean, a lot of it she she's using. Like, for instance, she has, um, you know, because she's not been well, she has a little table that she she has by by the couch in her living room where where she sits with the TV. And you know, she lives on her own, so sometimes she'll she'll eat her dinner there. She has solid silver salt and pepper shakers there on the table with her, a solid silver napkin ring, and she uses solid <laughs> silver cutlery. <laughs> she's happy, right? That's all. That uh, well, that. And and this is the discussion I've had with her. You know, we've talked about it. And she said, "Look, I enjoy it. It makes me happy." Yeah, yeah. Who cares? You know, it doesn't. It, yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. It's not like you know, she's she's spending money she can't afford or anything like that. She's just doing something. She enjoys it. She enjoys the fact that she can look online and she can. Sometimes she says, "Look, I recognise stuff." Um, you know, where somebody's selling a lot. And she says, there'll be one piece in there that I reckon recognize has some real value and the rest of it's kind of plate or, or you know, kind of not, not really very valuable. She says, I'll, I'll go and bid on it. And because most of the thing is, is not valuable, I'll get it for a song, you know. And, uh, and yeah, as I say, it gives her pleasure. But without the, the modern internet and computing and all of that, she wouldn't be able to do that. She, she's not in a, in a position where she, she would be able to go to physical auctions and actually bid on this stuff in in a real auction house like like people used to do but the electronic side of it gives her an opportunity to do it yeah and you know ebay was one of the first kind of web 2.0 things out there that kind of blew up for a while and it's still there but i don't think ebay is as popular as it used to be uh no it's it's much more of a of a kind of a direct sale marketplace than it is or reseller stuff yeah yeah i I can't tell you the last time i bid on anything i just if i'm looking for something i go to ebay see if they have it but i always click buy it now i'm not interested in bidding and waiting three days to see if i get it and yeah yeah. i i I occasionally do bidding but i i agree the to be honest with you i'm looking for something on ebay first of all i'll peruse the buy it now stuff and it's only then if i decide if it's a prices i don't want to pay um it tends to be the price is okay but the condition is not for for a lot of of stuff i'm looking at on ebay you know it's used stuff and it's being sold as a buy it now and i think uh, really for what you're asking you're asking a fair market rate for one of those if it's in really good condition but actually yours isn't <laughs> so, right exactly you know and and at that point then you start going okay well i wonder if there's anybody got any auctions going on these and whether it might be worth doing it uh, and also you know with ebay it, it kind of depends on how how quickly you want that item you know if you if you if it's something you think you need and you need it relatively quickly then you sometimes you'll say oh well i'll just do buy it now I, they have it i can't get it on amazon um somebody on ebay is selling one and i need it so um i'll buy it you know one of the things that I have been buying lately, and it started innocently enough, we were at Target. To- Cole and I wanted to go to, well, Cole, I didn't care. He wanted to go to this uh, place called Disc Traders, and it's a they sell you know used video games and records and, well, not so many records, but CDs and DVDs and used yeah. video game consoles, stuff like that. It's, it's, it's a pretty nice store, to be honest. And he's always looking for a couple Pokemon games, but <clears throat> he doesn't want to get them online anymore because we've been burned a couple times with fakes. 
And it's amazing how expensive these Pokemon games are compared to how many they actually are out there. I mean, they made millions of these things and they retain their value like crazy. It's stupid. But yeah. we occasionally will go to the store and we went on a Sunday, I don't know, a couple months ago, and they were closed. They didn't open mm-hmm. until noon and we got there at about 11, where they're literally right next to this Target. So to kill time, we just went into Target and Target had actual albums, records. Yeah. And I bought one. I don't even have a record player. <laughs> but I figured I'm just going to kind of put it on the wall. I'm going to use it All as right. a decoration. Yep. And I couldn't figure out how to mount it so it would look good. And then I found these little acrylic stands that you mount on the wall. And then you put the album on there. And it leans it back at the right angle. All that thing. Okay. But I couldn't buy just one. I had to buy, a, a I think it's a 10-pack or a 8-pack or something mm-hmm. like that. <clears throat> so I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy my favorite maybe 10 albums and put them on the wall. Okay. That would be cool. I'm up to four. The problem isn't buying them because you could get brand new records still. Yeah. The problem is me picking my top 10. <laughs> so I'm, I'm yeah. up to, I, I've got four right now and these so four were we, kind of easy. Are you going to, are you going to let the cat out of the bag about what they are? Oh, sure. The first one I bought complete? was uh, ride the lightning from Metallica. It yeah. was a seminal album for me. I mean, when, when I was introduced to Metallica, that album had just come out, and it mm-hmm. it was game-changing for me. Uh, Purple Rain from Prince. Yeah. It's my favorite album of all time. There's not a bad song on the entire album. I'd agree with that. Uh, Duran Duran Arena. It's mm-hmm. a live album, but, man, it's so good. It's, it, it's one of the best live-recorded albums I've ever heard. Now, I know I it you, wasn't yeah. at all at one time. It was you know yeah. heavily engineered, but... The sound quality, especially on like the chauffeur, it's so much better than the the album version. I I tell you, I saw <clears> Duran Duran. Um, I think they were. I think they did some some stuff over New Year's here in the UK. And you know, obviously these guys are really getting on a bit now. Yeah. They still cook when they. Oh yeah, play. I know. They are so good. Yeah. Well, they're still coming out with new albums, and they have. Yeah. They've never stopped. That's the thing. Most yeah. people think, oh, Duran Duran, they're an eighties band. No, they they still have brand new albums they're coming out with all the time. They just came out with one just a few months ago, I think. Yeah, uh, it yeah. wasn't very good because I listened to it on Apple Music and I was like, nah. <laughs> um, yeah. Although they did come out with one like maybe ten years ago that was just fantastic. So yeah, well, uh, they're, then, they're great. Though the only thing that puts me off is Simon Le Bon. He's starting to look a little bit like Val Kilmer does nowadays. Yeah, it's not a good look. I don't I don't care about how they look though. And <laughs> then uh, the last one is Dark Side of the Moon. I knew that would be on there as well. Well, it has to be. kind of like, yeah, the classic. Well, I mean, you know, we all went through, you know, as kids of the 70s and 80s, we all discovered Pink Floyd at one point, and we all listened to Dark Side of the Moon either with headphones on or a dark room with candles or some bullshit like that. And that was me. That was, I remember when I, I knew who Pink Floyd was, but I just, yeah. And the wall was good, but, and the movie was kind of stupid, I thought. Um, yeah. but then, you know, you, you get dark side of the moon and you listen to it and then it has this atmosphere that you just, almost no album has ever, ever replicated. It is truly yeah. a masterpiece of a record. 
I, I, I'm going to be honest here. I always preferred Wish You Were Here to Dark Side of the Moon. Well, but see, that was an EP. It wasn't a full album. I love yeah. the song. It's one of my favorite songs. I yeah. just love no, it. No, no, but I, I love the entire album. Um, I listened to that over and over. I always enjoyed that listening to that more than Dark Side of the Moon. Um, uh, and, and you know what? I, I always enjoyed then the stuff that came afterwards, the, the wall and, and then... You know, even the, some of the Roger Waters... I mean, not, The Wall is a Roger Waters record, less than a Pink Floyd record. Yes. And as as time went on, it became more and more like that until they imploded. Um, even the, the final cut, which was their last Roger Waters album, which effectively was virtually a, a solo album at that point because uh, they weren't talking to each other. I still really liked it. But, um, you know, it, it is... Pink Floyd is one of those bands where the further back you go... Where where basically they were collaborating more because they weren't kill, looking to kill each other. The better they are, um, and yeah, in I some remember, respects, I, Dark Side is awesome. I think it's their best album. I'll be honest, yeah. my number two album, eh, Wish You Were Here, is right up there. But something about this album really just kind of popped for me at the time, and it was never real popular. Was the Division Bell? Um, yeah, Division I Bell. That. Yeah, I, I yeah. love that well, album. You know, again, I, I like the stuff that that um, David Gilmore did kind of post waters yes as well i you know I, and the division bell i remember at the time i was completely blown away oh by. so it was good it still is album. if you go back to that yeah. with a good set of headphones on and yeah. just sit there and just listen to it you know the sounds I, of nature yeah. and the as he brings the stuff oh it's just brilliant it's so I, th- good. I think i think to be honest with you that's one that i mean the dark, dark side of the moon was kind of the you know the best-selling album of all time in the uk for maybe 20 years it's yeah. probably not nowadays but but certainly during this during the 80s and 90s it was still it just sat there in the quietly in the back just selling every single week yeah um and well because a new so generation many, would yeah. and when i say generation every five years that yeah. half generation if you will some some would, yeah, discover, would discover it, it. Yeah. yeah and I, I always think some of the thing that that makes pink floyd the great band they are is the fact they they weren't just working on the music but actually they put so much effort into the sound engineering and the ambiance um and then tying in the cover art and everything it was a complete production for them in a way that many other bands don't you know and that's not that's not to diss the you know the approach where people are just about the music and everything like that but for them it, it is you know i mean let's face it dark side of the moon that sort of thing is is the origin of the idea the of, of a concept album yep you know and then the wall is is very much the kind of the the the, 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 the like the premium level of a, of a concept album um because it is a complete story um my and, issue and with it, collect- it's, it's, yeah my, my my issue with collecting these albums though is i almost didn't get dark side because uh, the Yes, that's iconic and all that, but it's kind of a boring cover after a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just black. And that's why I didn't pick the black album from Metallica, which I think is a better album than Ride the Lightning. But yeah, it's such but a it's boring... Black. Yeah, it's yeah. black. Who cares? I'm not putting that on the wall. Yeah. So the next two bands that I know are going to make the cut, and I just have to decide if I really want to put it up on the wall or not. One will be Pyromania from Def Leppard, yeah. uh, which I like way better than Hysteria. It, mm-hmm. It's it's just a really good album, and the artwork is kind of cool. Yeah, and and let's face it, Pyromania was a breakout record. Hysteria was a kind of let's ride the breakout. So Hysteria is um, much more commercial than Pyromania. Oh no question, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then 
which U2 album do I get? Because they are still one of my favorite bands of all time, and I'm not sure. Is it Joshua Tree? Because that's kind of a boring cover, too. It is, but, I, I, well, it, I mean, again, again, it comes down to whether you want it for wall decoration or whether you want it reflect I want uh, what both. you think is the peak of their career. No, I want I, both. As, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, you, uh, the Joshua Tree is the best album you two ever made. Oh, I, I, I agree. No I don't think I don't think um and and I think it was a game changing album. I mean the a lot of people unfortunately nowadays don't remember you two that well. No. Um they they've kind of they kind of disappeared up their own um, behinds I think a little bit. Well, uh, um, in the last 6 years, yes. Yeah. The last and, and, time and, I think you two was super relevant was when they released a free album that pissed a whole bunch of people off. Well, By the that, way, that I still find that on people's iPhones when I'm working. <laughs> okay. I'm sure you do, yeah. They've never downloaded anything. They have an iPhone, and there's U2 on there. They had no idea it was there. Um, it's it's the Tim Cook gift that will forever keep on giving. Uh, no, that was um, but, Steve Jobs, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, no, it was definitely Tim Cook. It was Tim Cook um, who was on stage with U2 when that happened. It was definitely his idea. It wasn't a Steve Jobs joint. Uh, whether, whether Steve would have endorsed it or not, I don't know, but definitely it happened while Tim Cook was CEO. I, I couldn't remember. Um, yeah, but um, but I I, uh, I would say, uh, yeah, the Joshua Tree just caused such a huge impact. Oh, when it, came it was out. it was so yeah, it, it, different it was than literally everything else. A, a seminal album, you know, and uh, it's an '80s album, but it doesn't sound '80s. It's one no. of those same thing with you know all the to me anyways, um, Arena and Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. They don't sound of their era. They surpass no. that. They're not. Yeah, they were popular, no, they, they, but. They they define something. I mean, yes. you listen to a lot of uh, a lot of you know Coldplay's biggest stuff, and you can hear the influence of the Joshua yes. Tree on there. The jangly guitars and the yep. the way he sings and the the material they talk about and everything. It's so you U2. can tell that they're they're big fans of you yeah. too. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So that's kind of what I've been buying, but it's more it's less of collection collecting, and it's more of putting something together that I want on the wall that's reflective of the stuff that was important to me. Now, that's not to say these are my favorite albums of all time, although some of them are, um, or even the best songs, you know, although some of them are. It's 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 a combination of it's important to me and I like the album artwork. So so here's the, the thing about... I, I remember having a conversation with you a couple of years ago when I was in a... a a supermarket and I saw they were selling vinyl records again and we texted back and forth about it it's a obviously nostalgia is part of it there are plenty of people who like to including myself who's surrounded by old computers and stuff here like to embrace retro tech um, and there's always been a very strong you know you and I were hi-fi buffs sure. there's always been a very strong um, consideration in the hi-fi arena that actually um vinyl was um if you had the right equipment and it was hard and yeah you operated it correctly and it was hard to do that but if you did that vinyl gave you kind of the the most the closest to what the sound engineers and the bands would were trying to achieve it was analog there was no compression you know it's just it's vinyl that's been etched with it's it sounds great yeah however as you say you don't have a, a a vinyl record player um, and actually, even today, setting a system up like that is a huge pain in the neck. And so I mean, expensive. Would, yeah. So I wonder, you know, are we... 
it, as as vinyl come, makes a nostalgic comeback, yeah, are we at the point where somebody will come along and say, you know what, what we need is a modern technical solution to actually play these back in a way that works? Because the 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 way vinyl was so maybe a, a leather or a, a laser that reads. The yeah, grooves. exactly. Yeah, something like, something where you it doesn't even have to be that, but something where you stick the the record in. You don't have to worry about skipping, scratching, the sound of static or dust on it, yeah, and you get a, a reliable play experience every time you use it without worrying about damaging the the record, even if it's not laser. Because the problem is, you go with laser, you're analysing the, um, you you're then going to be taking the analog domain and turning turning it back into digital again. You could argue at that point, why not bother? Why not just do CD? So, um, but but I I just wonder if if vinyl will make enough of a comeback to actually create the demand no, for I don't something think like so. even on a niche niche level. No, I don't know, think so. Because obviously I don't think it would ever become mainstream. No, it won't and I don't what's the business model for something like that? I I can't imagine no. one. Because it's just so, not big enough now and I nor do I think it will ever be big enough for a tech company, and let's be honest, that's what would do it. To make something that's worthwhile. You know, it's yeah it, a really good high quality turntable is still very expensive, but a lot of them now do come with Bluetooth, so you can connect to a Bluetooth speakers and play it that way. Yeah. Um, there's a different options, and actually, uh, Felix has a record player she got for Christmas from maybe us. I don't remember years ago, like three years ago. It's still in the box, so I could use it any time. But every one of these albums that I'm buying, I have it digitally. I I actually own them. I bought them in either Apple Music or um, ripped them from a CD way back in the day at 256. So the quality is yeah. there. So I have all these albums. I, and I I'm using it. iTunes. Yeah. I break up, well, not iTunes, music now. I bring that up and look at my highest rated stars and I kind of go through it and I go, what about this album? And eh, I don't really know. So, But obviously you wouldn't be the target market for that because you're buying these albums because you want to put them on the wall but I imagine an awful lot of people who are buying modern records are buying them because they want to play them and it seems to me if that market is growing the question then is 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 the opportunities for them to get the problem is you know yeah you like you say you, you can get a turntable but <laughs> even by by the standards of the day when we were growing up, it will be terribly cheap and probably sound pretty awful. And at that point, it's like, well, why are you bothering with the, with yeah. the vinyl in the first place? Because yep. the advantage of the vinyl is that that rich analog sound, and you don't get that by the way. But you don't cheap, get that by yeah. putting it on a cheap turntable and then streaming it over Bluetooth. I mean, yeah. if you're streaming it over Bluetooth, it's you kind of really no the point, purpose. is there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you just compress digital. it. Yeah, you, you compress <laughs> exactly. the signal and, yeah. Um, you know, we all of our generation remember the person, and I was one, that had the entire stereo set up, you know. Um, yeah. But I remember when I finally got out of it, and it was when Cole was an infant because I, I just couldn't play my music. So the great big speakers that were giant dust magnets. Yeah. My, my uh, receiver, which the last one I owned was an Akio, which was an amazing thing, but and it, it produced just amazing sound, especially through the speakers that I was using. I just, I was never using it and it was taking up yeah. so much space and I gave yeah. it away for a song. I mean, I really did. Uh, yeah, I know, but, but that's, I mean, that's the success of the iPod, isn't it? But, you know, audio files at the time threw up their hands at the idea of MP3. They'd resisted CD, even though CD wasn't compression. 
Yeah. Well, yes, it was. Nowadays, but... nowadays uh, we, we look at CD and we go, well, actually, you know, that's pretty good fidelity yes. compared to MP3. Yes. So the audiophiles threw up their hands in horror at the idea of MP3 players. But what Apple proved is that convenience, convenience. trumps everything else. Yeah. Convenience is it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, absolutely. I've got, yeah. I'm going to go somewhere and I want to listen to some music. I'm going to mow the lawn. I'm gonna, Whatever. It's just way too convenient to grab an iPod. It just was. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I've been collecting and I bought three of the four on eBay and it's not easy to shop for albums on eBay because I don't care about getting a first press, nor do I want one that's open. I want a new one and all the albums that I really like, you can still buy brand new. It's not like these things are rare or something. Yeah. Because you want, you want good physical condition because you're going to put it on the wall. Yeah, Exactly. I don't want a dog-eared album on my wall, unless it was one that I owned when I bought brand new. But even way back in the day, once you know I started really getting into music, I was buying CDs before that cassettes. I never really got into albums, you know, records. Yeah, I did forty fives, but those were always terrible. Um, so it's it's just one of those things that I think it looks cool on the wall. Yeah. Um, I like looking at them. But that's about as far as it goes. And they're really high up on the wall, by the way. Yeah. I, um, I, I wonder, I'm, I have my pile of records somewhere in storage. Um, I wonder if I'll ever get, get across them. Because I bet you there's, there's music in there I've forgotten I ever owned. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, I, some, that, of it, some of it would be stuff I'd still like to listen to. You know? Well, I'm like that when I break out my, the music app on my Mac and I start scrolling through. At one point, I had probably 90% of my music um rated you know one yeah. through five stars and then i lost that the hard drive on that mac it died it was an ssd i still have it and i don't know why i keep thinking maybe someday i'll be able to resurrect it because the playlists were on there were just fantastic all my music was rated um and i was weeding out a lot of stuff i was if it was one star it's gone yeah and then the two star stuff was like, mm, if it was part of a great album, I would leave it. If it was just a single and it was two stars, mm, do I really care about ever listening to this again? Mm, no. Okay. It's deleted. But I wasn't deleting the physical file. I was just deleting it on an iTunes. So, Although, well, so the, you, the one yeah. star stuff, I was literally deleting the file because I didn't care about it. So with those incredibly well curated playlists, would you ever be prepared to pay for Dace Recovery to get them back? No. No, want even put a price on it. If you could get it for fifty dollars, would you do that? No. No. Twenty dollars. If if they sent me a prepackaged box and <laughs> then maybe came around to your house and did it for you. Yeah, they come yeah, here and do including it, including going and finding the drive and maybe if and they pulling it out where have you put it and fixing it for you and then and, they're putting it back yeah? and and vacuum the carpet. I'll be in. Right. Otherwise, no, probably you want it, not. I, if you want it done for free, send it to the uh, Republican Party and just 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 put in an envelope marked Hunter Biden Ukraine laptop and yes. send it to them. I yeah. think they'll do the data they, recovery they for you for will nothing. Do it. Yep. I, I the thing is, I don't listen to the music the way I used to. If I'm in the car, yeah. nine out of ten times I'm listening to audiobooks. Yeah. Um, I've been into a sci-fi series uh, on Audible, anyways that I've been listening to for probably four months now. And because there's a lot of books in the series and I was drawn in initially by reading some of the reviews. Some people were saying this, this is basically star Wars. 
And I was like, oh, that sounds, you know, I like Star Wars. Let me give this a listen. And it's not Star Wars at all. Yeah, there's a couple little similarities, but that's about as far as it goes. Um, and keep a, people in the reviews keep making this comparison. And I'm like, do you even yeah. know what Star Wars really is? Um, it's it's I like it a lot. So I've been listening to that, but it, I finally got caught up. There's a couple side books that I'm listening to now. Um, but then once I'm done, I'm kind of glad because I'm, you know, you get to it. It's called Galaxy uh, Galaxy's Edge, by the way. Um, after a while, you're like, okay, it's time to move on to something different now. Isn't Galaxy's Edge what they call the Star Wars place at Disneyland? Yes. But this mm. series has been out that's for a, maybe, a while. But no, but maybe that's why people think it's like Star Wars. Maybe. They actually think it's Star Wars. Yeah, but it's, it's <laughs> no. totally not. They have this thing called the Did, Legion, which I think people thought were stormtroopers, except these guys are badasses and stormtroopers never were. Although, <laughs> they're... they're I, I will say this for, and we're not going to talk about it here because we'll say yeah. this for, I will say that um, Obi-Wan Kenobi's new show has kind of brought back the scariness of Stormtroopers. That was, oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's how it should have been the whole time, and it just ticks me off that they've been incompetent boobs for so long, and this is, you know, he's hiding, and did you hear that? He's like, oh, crap. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I have to say, yeah, the... The Mandalorian is its own thing in the Star Wars universe, but um, Obi Wan is is to Star me Wars. it's 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 like watching a Star Wars movie. Yes, uh, it really is. I mean, it's it's, it's a perfect quite, bridge between yeah. the prequels and the sequels. Yeah, it's not quite as good as a movie, or it would be a movie we would we would make complaints about. But nevertheless, it is the closest they've done for a long time in and I'm, I'm including some of the actual movies in this yes. of doing a proper star wars movie so yes. uh yeah in fact i'd say probably most of the most recent star wars movies this show is better than you know mm, i'd say so, all the recent movies yeah. well rogue one is really good but even yeah even saying anyway anyway yeah, but that as you say it's a discussion pub. for another time yeah yeah so next week you uh and like me we're we like apple products um yeah. They had the WWDC keynote, and some new products were announced. Um, and once again, they did this pre-production video roll that is so boring to me. It's just, it, it's such blue screen. Look at this cool tech that we're using to show you this stuff. And I'm, I'm walking in this room that I want you to think this is where we actually develop the, our chips. Yeah. Um, it, that looks like it's in the engineering section of the enterprise. Um, I don't know. It it just. I don't. I don't enjoy watching them. I watch the here's everything in twenty two minutes rather than yeah. You know here's everything start to finish. Well, it takes well, the, an hour. the original thing was about an hour and a half. So yeah, um, there's no way that, I'm watching that. Was that. A, that was a good choice. Yeah, I. I you know, look, I, the style of the videos. This is a style they developed over COVID. Um, you know, I, th there are obviously people in Apple who eat this stuff up. I, I think the problem is, is, is that when you've developed a style, you've got to keep iterating on it to keep it fresh. I think they're failing to do that at this point. It's become like, you know, well, it, it becomes like what it actually is. Let's forget Apple is run by a group of late middle-aged men, um, you know, who get excited by cool stuff. And I think, unfortunately, um, 
one of one of the failings of that is that when they hit on something they think is really really cool and is really well received and these videos were extremely well received when they started doing them their natural inclination is to say oh well, this is so good let's not change it let's not yeah. risk ruining it and and i think they've they're definitely starting to fall into that trap now but the problem is is that you know the uh, most ardent of Apple fans probably eat this stuff up and so they'll continue to do it. It's fine. It is what it is. You don't, like you say, you don't have to watch all of it. it nowadays, Apple gets so much coverage you don't have to watch any of it if you don't want to. You can just read the highlights from other people. So, um, yeah. Um, you know, a whole load of new stuff for iOS and macOS, which we kind of expect. Um, the M2 I, chips I, were announced and yet the Mac Pro is still running Intel. Hmm. I don't. Yeah, I don't well, get it at all. I well, really I, don't. I, I think, I think they're being. I would imagine they're being very, very careful about what they do with the next Mac Pro because they they haven't done know, anything. They, it's the same no, machine yeah, well, for what eight years now. Right, Who cares? No, the, it's 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 an embarrassment as a company. If I no, was I, no, but I no, I I think I think you're misunderstanding. I think that is exactly why they're being so careful. Right, they had that the whole problem with the trash can Mac that then wasn't developed for six seven years. Right, still selling it at top whack, uh, and they admitted they screwed it up. It was the wrong product. They made the wrong compromises. Um, it was it was a lame duck product. So, so why they are they still selling with, it? Well, because they then came up with the new in. They're not selling the trash can Mac Pro anymore. They've still got the new Intel Mac Pro, the the ridiculously priced five thousand one with five thousand dollar with the thousand dollar feet and all of that, you know. And apparently, by all accounts, everybody who can afford to buy one and wanted that sort of power loves it. I think the, what they're doing is they are being very careful. Having screwed the pooch several times on the Mac Pro, they don't want to screw it again in the in the um, the Apple Silicon transition. And I think there are some particular challenges about what the Mac Pro looks like in the in Apple Silicon world because the sort of things that Apple Silicon excels at, which is memory and graphics performance and everything, all built into the chip, are not that those. Design compromises are not the sort of things that sit well with a Mac Pro where you actually want to be able to add on GPUs and ridiculous amounts of memory. You know, 256, 512 gigabytes of memory. You can't do that if it's all packaged in the chip. You've got to have it separately. And I don't think they have, or they or they haven't showed today, they, they don't have the technology to interface those sorts of products the very fast ssds the very fast memory uh, and the ability to add on gpu cores from potentially from other manufacturers and specialist cars and everything i don't think they have the technology to interface that to apple silicon because apple silicon is is actually a, a design choice that goes the opposite direction which is let's get rid of as much out of the computer as possible and put it all on the chip yeah, for performance SLC. reasons yeah i get yeah? it but that's yeah so, that doesn't so, so explain why they're still spending or charging five thousand dollars for eight-year-old technology at this point yes. uh yeah. well that i'll tell you why that is that is that is tim cook right tim cook's attitude is if we've got a product that people buy and it sells then we we sell it at the same price we don't undercut it because then there's a risk that when the new one comes out people goes oh well, you know the new one's fine but it's five thousand dollars i can get the old one for two and a half thousand dollars i'll take that instead right so this is this is part of you you call it what you want the apple the tim cook doctrine whatever is that you know unlike in previous years in previous um products something new comes out and then they might sell the old one at a cheaper price but stuff hangs around for ages uh and um that's the situation the mac pro i think they are treading very carefully 
they're on the point now of missing their deadline for completing the transition in the next few months they're not going to make that for the mac pro unless they come up with a product so we'll have to see um you know times have been times have been tough it's been harder because you know all those apple guys they don't work on campus anymore apparently that completely stifles their productivity so um that may it may continue to be delayed. I wasn't surprised the Mac Pro wasn't ready for this WWDC. I didn't. Expect I really it wasn't either. expecting to I, see. I, you know, if anything, I expect them to cancel it completely. Uh, well, that, that is a you know, like, but having having Mac really, Studio Pro. There you go. That's what. It well, is. I I think I think the problem is the Mac Keep Studio. Keep going. I got to step away yeah. for one second. Okay. I think the problem is the Mac Studio is 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 a different product for different people. I think it, having done a huge recommitment to the Mac Pro and to professional uh, delivery of professional products uh, in these professional spaces, particularly in video production, what have you, if they were to then just uh, cancel the product or, or, or um, just say, well, we can't do an uh, um, Apple Silicon version of that, um, I think that would, uh, that would cause them some real reputational problems. Um, and, you know, that, that's kind of a risk you take when you do a long uh, and public, kind of apology tour and recommitment to uh, to a product line that you've sadly neglected and let's face it between 2013 the launch of the trash can mac pro and then um was it 20 2019 when the uh, when the replacement came out they did completely neglect that product because that was six years when they just basically did nothing with it at all i don't think you got a single spec upgrade because um it was it was basically a poor design so um yeah I think I think it'll be interesting to see because um, there's definitely if you want to see if they pull it off if they come up with some sort of mind blowing Apple Silicon Mac Pro I think we'll see some amazing engineering in that but you know whenever you shoot big there's always a risk you might fall. So what do you uh, think of the, uh, the the specs if you will for the M2? Well, it's kind of what I was expecting. M1 was such a huge um, yeah. transformation in performance and battery efficiency over m2 over uh over intel yeah you weren't you're not going to see that sort of jump again and you know we've seen this in in the processes in the iphones over the years is that you have a big jump and then you'll have two three years where it's like you know 15 20 percent faster as they kind of refine it refine it refine it i don't understand their whole and i i agree with you i think that's yeah that that's the you just described you know every single leap when it comes to processors um I don't understand why they come out with a brand new chip that's faster and blah, blah, blah. And they put it in their low-end machines first. I, wh- well, because the low-end machine is their biggest seller. That's why. And I think they wanted to announce this new design for the MacBook Air. And so as part of that, they said, for no, purely for marketing reasons, because let's face it, the current MacBook Air you can buy today, the one that I had when it first came out, and I said, I still maintain the site, at the, what I said at the time, best computer I've ever owned. Really, really was, I mean, the M1 is just amazing, yeah? Nobody buys today's MacBook Air and goes, oh, this computer's crap, yeah? It's amazing. Yeah, it's got inf- virtually infinite battery life, it feels like. Huge performance, great retina display, and, and a design that, yeah, it's, it is getting on a bit, but, you know, it reinvented, it reinvented the look of laptops when it came out. So nobody picks one of those up today and says, you know what, this is rubbish. Obviously, when they wanted to redesign it, they've got the, uh, the design language now, which really echoes the, the, the other stuff they're doing, yeah? They've basically said, right, what do we need to change in, on, in the MacBook Air to make it continue to be our high-volume seller? 
And they basically said, well, we need to put the new chip in it because uh, it's going to lead the line. But if you're so going to do that, why not and at the same time say, and oh, by the way, we upgraded the Mac Studios and the iMacs to the same M2 well, chip? Well, because I don't think you need to. Because if you, you do need to wait, because I was no, thinking about buying a Mac Studio and now I'm like, well, I guess I'll wait for the M2 because well, uh, well, well, yeah, that but chip's already is, out and it's not the, in this the, even more right, expensive so, machine. This is what I don't so, get from Apple. It's just stupid marketing no, it, bullshit. It, it, Rather than what hang, actual hang, people want. Hang, hang on a minute, right? The the M and uh, uh, one of these M1 Pro Max whatevers or the, the these you know, basically with the M1 and they'll do it with the M2 as well. Is you want to get more performance out of it because everything connects together on the chip. You just stamp out more cores of everything and join them all together, right? If you get a Mac Studio with M1 Pros, Maxes, whatevers in it, yeah, it will run rings around an M2 MacBook Air. Yeah, because as we as we just said, the M2 has got incremental performance in increases over the M1. Yeah, so when you've got the volume of all those extra cores doing all that work and able to talk to each other with the high speed memory and everything, yeah, a Mac Studio is gonna is is gonna laugh in the face of an M2 MacBook Air, which is the way it should be because they're designed for different things. Now, when the M2 MacBook Stu uh, Mac Studio comes out, yeah, that's going to be faster than the current ones. But the way they've rolled these things out, they'll do the same as they did with this. The M1 MacBook Air and the M1 MacBook Pros came out, and then these kind of cored-up products with the higher-performance uh, chips in and everything came out over the next 12 to 18 months. So it'll be the same. They've just launched the Mac Studio. You won't see an M2 version of that. Uh, for probably 12 to 18 months and the thing is if you buy one today with the m1s in just be, don't fall for the marketing just because you've got m2 rather than uh, m1 rather than m2 doesn't mean it's slower yeah it's marginally slower per core but it's got hundreds more cores than the m uh, than the macbook air has so that's going to still going to be an extremely powerful machine and the fact is is what do you need the power for that's the real the problem i think the real problem i think apple has at this point is that they're going to keep pouring more power and, and in performance into these computers to do jobs that nobody needs to do. At, at, at one point, you know, if you've got a if you've got a car that can do 150 miles an hour and it can do not 150 miles an hour in three seconds, right? Then at that point, you can turn around and say, "Do I need a car that can do 250 miles an hour and not to not to 250 in three seconds? Probably not. You know, it's, it's like being a billionaire, isn't it? it once you once you get past Probably once you get past your first 400, 500 million pounds, uh, dollars in the bank, once you have anything more than that, it's just like, well, actually, it doesn't matter how much you've got. Yeah, it's like it, it's like infinity. And I think this is the problem that Apple is going to face with these computers, is that the workloads to actually challenge these machines probably don't exist, or if they do exist, they're so uh, niche. niche and rare yes. that hardly anybody needs them. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, yeah. The changes I, I was kind of interested in, the one that really kind of popped out for me was the changes to iMessages. You can now mark a, a message unread, which I love, because that is actually yeah. my workflow when it comes to email. I'll read it, yeah. and then I'll mark it as unread, knowing i got to go back and do something about this one. Um, and then unsend. That's I like that a lot. Yep. Obviously, it doesn't work if they've already read it, I, I assume. <laughs> Not unless it also has a memory erase feature. You know, they, they use the, the, the LiDAR in the phone to right. kind of red flash in your face and you don't remember you received a message. Actually, quite there a good you go. feature. Well, Apple, hey, get on that. <laughs> hey, I think we just came up with a new app. Um, 
The pay but, later yeah. stuff is like, okay. I mean, I guess it's a good thing to come out with, you know, when a recession's rolling in. Um, hey, I, you don't look, have the money uh, the, today, pay later. Well, look, they, I think the thing is, is that um, Apple is getting into these financial services on the back of Apple Pay, and Apple being Apple anything like that they'd much rather have control of it themselves than they would have in it handed off to a third party particularly a third party like a bank who sometimes can be not very nice to their customers so oh drop my phone um i i think i think the pay later is basically uh, everyone's doing this and they look they want people to be able to come into apple stores say i'd like it i'd like an iphone pro please um Oh, oh, that's that's twelve hundred dollars. Oh, that's quite a lot of money. Um, you know, let me see if I've got enough money in my credit card. They want their their uh, um, uh, their storm up people to be able to go. Oh, it's no problem. You can spread the payments. We'll take care of that for you. You don't need to run a credit check or apply to a bank or anything. That. We'll take care of it for you. It is just basically it's a no brainer way of increasing sales. Yeah, particularly in a recession. Yeah, because um, people like spreading payments if it's not going to cost them anything. David, for those who are, are newer listeners, don't realize that David and I have been doing this show for uh, over 10 years. It's 12 years now. Yep. And so the next one, mostly for David, is um, Apple announced a safety check for, uh, for uh, abuse survivors. I mean, he's been doing the show with me a long time. This is probably... Right up yeah, there. I, yeah, you know, I've been waiting for Apple to intervene, and I, uh, it, it took a while—twelve years on just this show. That doesn't even include the MyMac stuff that we were doing. I know. Yeah. How long um, do you think we've been doing? Probably fifteen years. Yeah, I, I, I first really got into Apple. Well, it was about the time the first Mac Mini came out, so that was uh, two thousand five, two thousand four, two thousand five. Maybe must have been two thousand four because it was before the the Intel. Mac, uh, transition you you were doing our you were the our UK uh, what was it I, I, I was your um, your uh, UK uh, field correspondent yes that's like what it was yeah Chad something like that yeah. yeah you would record things that Chad and I would play on the show Guy Searle who hosts the My Mac podcast now also did the same thing he was yeah. uh, Guy's you know I think it was uh, oh what were those little widgets the widget things yeah yeah, the uh, the dashboard. Yeah, he did it, dashboard it, minute. Yeah. yeah, dashboard minute. That's yeah. it. Yeah, um, and then until he eventually just kind of joined the show as a regular co-host, um, and then took over for Chad. So then it was me and Guy, and then you joined in as number three shortly thereafter. Yeah. So it's been yeah. a minute, you know. Yeah. <laughs> More than the dashboard minute. Now, eighteen years I've been would, podcasting. Yeah new widgets um for ios on the lock screen yeah. so guy could bring dashboard minute back 100 percent. because these are you know the current the current lock screen widgets and everything are basically our static pages yep they are uh they have no interaction what whatsoever but these are different and they've got new lock screen stuff as well about interactions and everything i don't know I about the whole camera hiding behind part of the picture well you know what i i kind of looked at i thought oh, that that's just you know apple demo fair it's yeah, like a little let's pick out let's pick yeah let's pick out a feature that kind of we can demo and makes it look really cool but actually nobody really cares about and i don't think anybody really notices that so i don't think they're going to care about it they did say my watch is no longer supported they're not going to update my series three watch 
Yeah, so no, now that I'm doesn't at surprise like, me. Mm, oh, it doesn't me either. I, I was kind of surprised that it, it was still being updated. Well, a lot of people But they were selling it that, up until, you know, a few months ago yeah, still. I refer you back to that previous Apple Doctrine. And I, yep. I've seen a lot of criticism of them continuing to do that because it's got to the point now with the Series 3 that it has so little memory in it that you can't actually do an iOS, uh, uh, watch OS upgrade on it without Correct. basically wiping the thing. Uh, setting it up, setting it up with the new OS, and then reinstalling everything, which is crazy. When yep. you've still ask, when you still basically people are coming into the store and are, are passing over a you know a couple hundred dollars for a product that does that is just kind of criminal, really. Yep, I agree. Um, so you know, I'm glad, I'm glad they're discontinuing it and and really. Well, you know, mine that, is scratched, so I'm thinking maybe it's time. But I'm kind of waiting to see if they come up with a new new apple watch if you will and i know well, yeah i i mean you I, I, are right now going through kind of a trial with different watches to see if you could find an alternative so yeah the reason behind this actually is is because i'm going on a cruise in august for 10 days first vacation we've taken since covid um and i know from experience because anybody's listened to the show for a while knows that i that i we all my family enjoys our cruises but here's the thing with the Apple Watch. I love my Apple Watch. I wear it every day. Uh, everyone in my family has one. We all love them. With I, I, I was a huge even when the before the Apple Watch launched. I was waiting for the Apple Watch. Apple Watch. I've always wanted a device on my wrist that's like a mini computer that's linked to my phone and does all the stuff the Apple Watch does. But the compromise with that of having a computer on your wrist is that, uh, as we all know. Uh, it's gotten better over the years, but the the watch will last a day, day and a half, maybe two days if you're lucky. Yeah. Now, when you're on a cruise ship and you're in the ocean and you are not getting any notifications because you you either don't want to because you're on a cruise ship, or alternatively, you don't want to use the shipboard systems because they cost the earth. Yeah. Then. Having a device on your wrist that basically all it's doing is tracking your steps and telling you the time and then still having to charge it every day is kind of a pain in the neck when you're, uh, you know, particularly when a family in a cabin, you've all got four of them that all need charging. So I, a, a couple of months back, I started thinking to myself, you know what, there must be devices on the market that are, that have a little bit of smart functionality, but aren't full Apple watches and don't just look like, you know, a black square on your wrist because that's the other thing you know a watch is is has always been jewelry but there's no real apart from the customized bands there's no real jewelry face to the uh, to the watch the apple watch and they all look the same you know and they're not actually as you know we've talked about the you know you're sick of the of the black rectangle of the phones well the apple watch is kind of the same thing they are very I, very I agree generic. with you 100 yeah. percent. i've always when uh samsung was coming out with their smart watches which i think they're kind of done with now i'm not sure who i've I think never ever they, seen one i think they've person. come they've come google has finally got with the program and thought there's money here so yeah, google well, google and samsung are, are kind of back in the game i, but I like the round i liked the round faces yeah. that's yeah. you know growing up we all had well we don't all have but a lot of us bought the ones that had a little calculator and they were basically the same as an apple watch as far as shape but yeah. i always preferred the round one it, it just yeah. it took up less space it, I thought it was more pleasing looking, yeah. and and a, and a clock face is round, yeah. and so for a device that tells the time, it kind of makes more sense. Apple, of course, doesn't want to make a round. Well, there's watch. no there's no reason it has to be round. I mean, no. Well, I think that's the view they've taken that it's some. That I think I think they were trying to say this is 
this it's is digital, an Apple Watch. So... It's not a watch. Right. It's an Apple Watch. And that's their differentiation. And I don't have a problem with that. When you're doing all the stuff you do in an Apple Watch day-to-day, having a square or rectangular face so you can get more information on does make some sense. But I took the view in this kind of... And I've done... You know, I've done these kind of watch projects every year for the last few years. Yep. I thought... What about if I could find something that doesn't need charging every day, that looks nice on my wrist, looks much more like a conventional watch, yeah, yet still has uh, the fitness tracking, the step tracking, and some of the smart functionality for when I need it. Are there products out there that are not the price of an Apple Watch that can do that? So I went away and I looked. I've always been a big fan of Citizen watches. I've got a couple of them myself. Um, I've always liked them. The great things about Citizen is they're always well built. Uh, Japanese manufacturer. They have most of them nowadays have this solar functionality they call Eco Dial or, or something. Um, so a lot of them don't need batteries. So I start looking again on eBay. Start looking at Citizen, and I found this one that I've put here in the notes. Um, and uh, it's a pretty watch. Up. The band is ugly, but it's a pretty watch at the face. Yeah, the, the band actually looks better in person, but it's it's going for that Milanese look, which is a a um, which is an acquired taste, I'll admit. You know, but the thing is, is that it's it's just uh, like a like an Apple Watch. It's detachable. You can put any band on there you wanted. There's no you're not you don't have to be wedded to that. But the thing about this watch is, basically, to look at it, you wouldn't know it's a smartwatch at all. No, it, it doesn't no, look like one. It doesn't have a display, right? And so it's up. Oh, it doesn't have a display. How can it be a smartwatch? So here's here's what this does, okay? And this, I really like that. I've had some very, very positive comments on this. When they I've, call I've it a it, hybrid smartwatch, by the way. Yeah. So basically it has Bluetooth, and you put an app on your phone, uh, and you pair it with your phone. And then what it does, first of all, obviously, it sets the time. So you've got, like, atomic clock thing. Then you, there's all these configuration options. And what you can do is you can... It will... Note it has a, a admittedly fairly weak, but it does have like a vibration motor in it. So the, what happens with this watch is when it wants to notify you of something, it buzzes on your wrist and then the hands move. And there's a where you would sometimes get like a, like a, a chronograph indicator in the bottom middle of the face. Yeah, you, you have this, this kind of hand that basically tells you what it's indicating to you or it allows you to choose. There's a couple of buttons on the side. And then what you can also do is then program it to respond to certain notifications using the app. So, for instance, with mine, if I receive a text message, yeah, the, uh, the, that chronograph hand moves to notification and then the watch hands move to the uh, midday, pos- midday position. And that tells me that I've received a text message. It doesn't show me the text message because it doesn't have a screen, but it tells me that. So if I receive an email, then it might move to the three o'clock position. Um, if I've received a um, you know a fitness notification, then it might move to the eight o'clock position. So it's using what's available there to kind of um, you know within the limitations of not having a uh, of not having a display actually tell you there's something going on with your phone um, without without you know while still being able to look like a regular watch and it's actually kind of a if you like this sort of style i think it's actually quite a pretty watch it's you know it's white less than face, 200 bucks red hands well actually um this is the other thing i'm going to say is that the thing about watches uh, most people who buy watches know that you know unless it's a, a desirable brand or a collectible brand or anything yeah your best bet with watches is don't go into a store and buy new because they're hugely marked up oh yeah yeah it's, it's I, stupid. I bought i bought the, i bought this brand new off somebody i paid 60 pounds for it there you go yeah which i tell you for a watch this of this quality it's kind of a bargain now 
the thing about and it's two way so it, it is monitoring your steps um it doesn't have heart rate monitoring or anything like that but it monitors your fitness it, it's got a, actually a, a really really good sleep monitoring it basically has motion sensors in there as well as uh so it, it the sleep monitoring is really accurate i've i've used that a couple of times it's really good um so the, the question then is is okay so fine um but this is all about not having to charge your phone every day how uh, charge your watch every day how long does the battery life last in this so it, unlike many watches you don't need to be a jeweler to replace the battery it uses a a, a coin cell battery of, of a number that i've not heard of before but wasn't hard to get hold of and costs about three pounds um, and basically 2430 is the battery yeah exactly which was with not one i'd come across before i've had 2032s and stuff like that but it, it was very easy to get hold of and the thing is the back on this it basically has a big one of those big coin um slot things that you can turn so you can seal it up very easily but you can easily remove it and change the battery yourself the battery on this apparently lasts between six and 12 months wow with bluetooth on every day mm. yeah so at that point, you know, it's very much more like a regular watch. And for those so, wondering well, how uh, much of the batteries, you can get a two-pack for five bucks. I mean, exactly. nothing. So if you wanted something that basically was a regular watch, but it had some extra smarts and also did fitness tracking for you, and you like Citizen Watches, this is, this is pretty nice. So what about uh, the other one that you're looking at? So... Uh, the, the downside of that one, obviously, is that it has no display. So if you do want something more functional than that in terms of your notifications, it's not going to help you out. Or Apple so the Pay. Other one, or, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to come on to that in a minute because this, this other one I've got has Pay, but um, it's not really worthwhile. So the other one I got is, um, while I was researching the system one, I spotted this one. This is from Garmin, and it's called the Vivo Move Style. And this looks like, at first glance, an ordinary... You know, not not inexpensive, but also not hugely expensive watch. Yeah, it looks like a you know a Timex or a a, a Seconder or something like that. The sort of thing you might spend a hundred dollars on something like that. Uh, it looks like a nice, generic, modern quartz watch. Yeah, um, the one I bought is a uh, is black with a black face. That's um, the one I like. Yeah, yeah. They they also do they they've got gold ones and things like that. It just again, it just depends on your style. So the one I got is black with a black face, um, kind of a, a nylon strap, but a very nice, high quality nylon strap. But the thing about this, and this is where it gets interesting, is you look at it and it looks like a black face watch, but actually underneath the hands there are um, two or three, depending on which model you get, um, LED displays. And so what this does is that uh, the same same deal as before pairs with your phone, um, and uh, runs an app on the phone to to communicate with your with your phone. But what this does is that if you double tap the watch, the the um, the face has capacitive touch sensor. So if you double touch the face, these screens light up and show you stuff, and it's completely configurable. So I'm actually wearing this one now. So it has at the top it has an arc with the days of the week on and. Uh, a mark next to Sunday to tell me it's Sunday and then underneath 12 to give me the date and then the bottom screen is showing my next calendar event in my work calendar and you can configure this for you what what you want Garmin is very big on um, fitness so this has heart rate blood ox all of that sort of thing built into it it's got all the sensors on the back you would expect yeah and you do, literally you just double tap and then you swipe through and it's got stairs it's got stopwatch it's got this thing called um, a personal battery charge so it basically what it does is it takes all of the data and your heart rate and everything like that and kind of gives you a, a, a thing of saying how healthy it thinks you've been today in terms of 
charging yourself up to 100. You've got all your steps, got anything on it, sleep tracking, it tracks how much you've been drinking, um, the heart rates, all of that. Um, you know, and then, then you've got controls for your music, you've got the weather, you've got your calendar, uh, it brings up your text messages and everything like that. And the, and the thing is, because this has two small disc- screens on it, so you get to text message, notifies you you've got a text message, you click on it and you can actually, it scrolls through the messages to actually let you read them. Um, not as anywhere near as well as on an Apple Watch, but you know what, you can read them and you can get an idea of what they are. So this is this is kind of... Um, you know, a kind of a, a different approach that, that gives you more information than the Citizen One does um, and also does a lot more, um, but uh, still looks like a round, reasonably nice watch. What about um, this Garmin I, Pay, which I've never heard of in my life? Yeah, well, so here's the thing. So they, they talk about this on the site. You go, oh, we got Garmin Pay and everything like that. In the UK, there are eight banks. You have to, eight, eight or nine banks you support, they support in terms of interacting with Garmin Pay. Of all the banks that listed there, um, you know, I mean, I've lived in the UK all my life. I'd heard of one of them, um, <laughs> and I don't bank with them. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that. but that's that's the problem. I, to be honest with you, you shouldn't, I don't think you should buy a product like this. If you want though, if you want those sorts of features, you need to go with the big boys. Yeah. Yep. you you Because I'd also worry, how secure is Garmin Pay compared to Apple Pay or, or the Google right. Pay? Yeah, because that's what it's all about. It's not just convenience and availability it's about the security and making sure you're not going to get ripped off and that and that the watch is robust enough not to mess a transaction up and stuff like that and you're you're rolling the dice with a smaller player but this is actually it's a nice watch it's very functional you've got many more it's much closer to the apple watch in terms of facilities the battery life on this is about eight days so again it's it's chargeable yeah it comes with a custom usb um, cable Mi- micro be- micro no it's actually um because so, the, the watch is fully waterproof down to 50 atmospheres so it's some sort of custom thing they've done on that clicks on the back mm. it's 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 like kind of pseudo mag safe yeah. but the, the thing is I, yeah I, I i know what you're saying but the only thing i say with that is is that garmin is not you know amaz fullbar do you know what i mean it's it's somewhere where if you lose the cable you're going to be able to call up garmin and get another one um, you know, they have a huge range of fitness devices, Garmin. I mean, one yep. of the downsides of their app, to be honest with you, is when I wanted to pair the watch, I started the app up and it says, which one do you have? And it gave me a list of literally 30 different types of watch. Ugh. And I'm and, and then you click on one, it goes searching. And I'm thinking, you know what? The watch has Bluetooth. It's in pairing mode. Yes. Yeah. You should know what can't I you, have on my wrist. Can't you get the watch to tell the app which one it is yeah. rather than... Because, you know, you're kind of peering out. Well, have I got the Vivo Move Styles 3 or 4? Yeah. That's, and then that's you're bringing dumb. up pictures and go, does it look like my one? I'm not really sure. But, you know, that's that's the sort of thing you get, from again, from going for these smaller manufacturers is the fit and finish type stuff of the software and everything is not as good as it could be the app on the on both of these is, are actually really good um so which you know, one apart right from now that the sort of citizens thing, or the garmin do you think you're leaning towards because just by listening to you i, I kind of think it's the the citizens yeah i well I, I i've only had the garmin for a few days i wore the citizen for about a week and a half um so I think I think I need to kind of really work with the Garmin for a few days and decide which whether whether that's the one that that's that's going to fit for the trip or, or not. I, I am leaning towards the Citizen because you know it's a cruise ship. It's the sort of thing where you you don't really want to be fiddling with any technology. And so, so is this think, more about 
style than anything because honestly, it's, a, it's a combination. Yeah, because honestly, for what to me it would seem like a no-brainer. You just use an Apple Watch because it does more than both of these things combined. Yeah, but I, I don't need the it. Exception the things of it does charging. Yeah, I. But the thing is, if I'm charging every day and all I'm doing is telling the time with it, then that to me is 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 kind of it's not failing it's not succeeding its purpose mm, so apple pay look yeah but i'm on the ship i don't need apple pay on the ship yeah, and and the, the problem is i always have my phone with me so i can still apple pay on the phone as well um so you know uh, it'll be interesting I, I the only the only thing that might influence this is that i'm probably going to be leaving for san francisco the day after i get back for the cruise to go to the uh, the conference that I've been you know going through to for many years, which by the way with... they are bought out and yeah they just just got bought out by um, who was they now yeah I'm, 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 some big company yep yeah anyway uh, they they used to be owned by Dell but now they've been sold to somebody else um, so uh, that may influence it in terms of what functionality I'm not going to be going home between the ship and the flight so um the the watch i'm wearing is going to be doing double duty so that may influence what i'm looking for um but uh but yeah i you know it's a 10 day cruise i just don't want to be charging my watch every day just to tell the time um you know and and of course there is another answer which is just not wear a smart watch at all and wear a regular watch well, so that's always, always an option as well guys yeah <laughs> but you yeah. know some people are some people are really kind of wedded to their fitness stats uh, and don't want to lose their fitness stats when they go away somewhere. That. And, you know, and so so this is kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about if you skew your priorities a different way, what's available on the market? By the way, the Vivo Move, again, $200 brand new. Don't buy it brand new. You'll, you'll, you'll find it discounted somewhere. I, again, I paid about £60 for mine. So uh, brand new. So, so um, last two things because we're going over than what we yeah. usually do. Looks like Elon Musk is looking for reasons to not buy Twitter, yeah, which I, I'm pretty sure I, I mentioned that a yeah. month ago. That I don't oh think yeah, he you actually, definitely called it. Yeah, he he doesn't want to buy Twitter, and he's no. This for was all a lark, and it was all about getting his name in discussion because yep. I, I think that really you know pleases him, and um, oh, yeah, and no now end. he's now he's going and 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 I think he he failed. He either failed to anticipate or perhaps thought it wouldn't be as painful as it was in terms of the negative impacts on his other businesses from yeah. this kind of ludicrous charade that he's come up with. Yeah, he's so, trying to get yeah. out any way he can, and he's looking for well, a you, you know what? to do it, otherwise here's, he's going to yeah, pay here's, money. Here's, well, yeah, but here's, here's the problem. You know, I, I, he made it very clear, I'm, I'm, I don't need due diligence. You know, I know what I'm doing, and now he's going, well, yeah, you yeah, due is, diligence. Is I'm finding all these things that if I'd have had due diligence, I would have known about, and that's yeah. going to spoil the deal. <laughs> it's just like, well, yeah, dumbass, what did you think? Yeah, well, so, yeah, it's. I'm not surprised by. It. I I'm convinced he is not going to buy Twitter. No, it's not and, going you know to what? happen. For all the noise and the things of that, basically, in the day, apparently, there's a one billion dollar walk away fee. And when you're Elon Musk, you know, one one billion dollars is kind of, you know, it's not gonna. I'm not saying it's not gonna hurt, but it's it's not gonna bankrupt you. So I suspect he'll end up pay personally paying the one billion billion dollars. Yep to walk away i i don't uh, think he and will maybe I think next he's th- gonna he's gonna go to court to not pay it oh no don't get me well look every there's the one of the ways you get to become a billionaire is you fight every bill tooth yep. and nail um so i'm sure he will do that 
But uh, at the end of the day, um, he can afford out of his personal fortune, let alone his stock options, to pay the $1 billion. And maybe next time when he's uh, sat down and, and smoked a couple and decides to go on Twitter and say he's doing something and makes it all sound uh, great and then the following morning uh, has, has regretsies, he'll, he'll remember the $1 billion cost of it. One of the things well, maybe that we not. talked about <laughs> on the last, I believe it was the last tech fan, because we skipped a week here, yeah. um, and that happens in, and I think we're probably going to have to skip a, a week or two with you going on vacation and yeah, uh, it's not, it's not, it's not for a while yet. It's not yeah, till August. But, so. Yeah, um, we talked about this InstaOn company, smart home, that just yeah. basically went out of business. They no warning, no notification. Uh, yeah, all they the were just gone. Working, just gone. And and, and, and the funniest thing was was the CEO kind of deleted any mention of this company from his from his LinkedIn profile. Yeah, so it, it's, it's, it, it it was like it was like you know not just going out of business. It was like let's ghost our customers. Yeah, it was it was bizarre. It it, it was weird. Well, they're back. Kind of a group of customers bought the company. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine they spent much. Uh, and they're trying to resurrect it. Things are starting to come back on. Um, yeah. And and at this point, I'd be going, well, yeah, once bitten, twice shy. I mean, it it vanished out of the blue before, back when it was a, like a fully operating, revenue-generating business. Now it's had some sort of management buyout, and they've got the ashes of it, and they've turned the servers on. Is that the sort of thing where I'm going to go, oh, here, let me give you some more money to keep things going? Or is it going to say, well... You know what? And also as well, I'd imagine many customers have, you know, not, not been sat, nobody's been sat there expecting their stuff to start working again. I'd imagine most people would have been planning to rip it out and put in something that's maybe going to have more longevity to it. So, I think my, con my concern about all of this is that it puts me off the whole home automation sector. Yeah, because, you know, well, all of these companies, of the big players like Apple and I'll, I would have said Google, well, but I don't trust Google either because no, no, they no, are, well, they're terrible about just, OK, this product's dead now. Well, wait a minute. I've yeah. got five thousand dollars in this. Well, yeah, it's dead. We yeah, have this that, one now. They did that with Google, with some of their own products. And yeah. then they've also done it with some of the Nest products. So, yes. again, even with big players uh, and, and the difference with Apple is Apple is designed to spec, but they don't sell direct products themselves for this for this thing i so think a lot of still... this stuff is dependent on not cloud services if you're going to get smart automation it better not be cloud-based because i don't trust any of it right now well yeah the problem isn't uh, no business lasts forever does it no so uh that's the thing you know you can have old stuff and if it's not based on the cloud you know like when we grew up yeah, you can turn it on, and it will still work the day the day it, it, in the same way it worked when it left the factory. Yep. <laughs> you know, whereas if it's reliant on talking to the cloud, syncing to the cloud, getting a key from the cloud, getting the time from the cloud, and it's going somewhere where you can't change it, uh, and that place doesn't exist anymore, there are people people have just had this with uh, BlackBerry. Yeah, BlackBerry shut down finally after, I don't see finally like people have been hoping they would do it, but BlackBerry, who have effectively been an, a, a virtual business for years, at the beginning of last year, they closed down um, all of the remaining servers that supported pretty much every BlackBerry product ever made. Not just the, uh, not just the... Um, it was January, by the way. 
Yeah, January this year, that's right. Not just the, the old, uh, you know, kind of pager type ones, which, which obviously were always very dependent on, on remote services, but even the more recent stuff running BlackBerry 10 that effectively like modern smartphones, yep. they still needed to talk to servers for something. If you want to set a new one up, they needed to talk to servers. All of that stuff is gone now. And these things are literally bricks. Yeah, and they're yet, useless. There's yeah, there's physically nothing wrong with them, and there's nothing wrong with the software on them either. It's just that you can't use them because there's this one bit where they've got to check to the cloud and the cloud isn't there anymore. Yep. You know. Yeah, it's um, it's it's the risk that we take in a high-tech world nowadays that game consoles are the same way. If, if you bought digital goods on your PS3 and they stop supporting it, it doesn't work anymore. It's, it, they, yeah. You just don't have it anymore, and there's no recourse. Um, smart TVs, are they going to go that way? Possibly. You know, if the smart TV stops communicating, how many apps are still going to work? Is it tied to the Roku OS? That's what makes Netflix work. And if that service goes down, it just doesn't work anymore. I mean, this is the thing that we're always going to be living with moving forward when it comes to these smart technology type of devices that use cloud services. Now, we all like to think that, well, they're using Amazon as the back end and Amazon safe. Are they? I don't think any of them are really safe, not long term. Who knows what's going to happen? Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, that's just just as a as an example. There must have been plenty of people in Ukraine who use Ukraine cloud services. I bet none of them are running at the moment. No, yeah, you know that's the and 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 that's just to say that you know when you can say well a company like Amazon couldn't fail or anything like that is. The world sometimes has a habit of changing under our feet very, very quickly and challenging your assumptions. And I, I think, I think you know, in today's world, you need to, to bear that in mind. And with that cheerful thought, we're going to wrap up this <laughs> Sorry episode of Tech Fan. <laughs> we'll be back next week with the Geeks Pub. We're going to be talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, David is very excited about an upcoming DC superhero movie. He texted me uh, about it. He's so uh, excited. We, we, we've been... We've been yeah, I loved it when you called me. You're too cynical. You're I thought too cynical. That was, a, that was a low point, really. <laughs> so we'll I discuss. Thought, really? 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 <laughs> so we'll discuss that. If you guys want to want to know what that conversation's like, you'll find out in a week. Uh, David, uh, appreciate hearing from you. We'd like to hear from our listeners. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. You can go to techfanpodcast.com or mymac.com and leave a comment. And, of course, we are on social media, Tech Fan Podcast. David, see you in a week. See you then.